Welcome to the Cornerstone Baptist Church podcast. My name is Justin Wheeler. I am the preaching pastor for Cornerstone. And today we are in week 14 of our journey through the Heidelberg Catechism. Today I'm going to be talking to you about questions 35 and 36. Now our questions for this week are still focused on Jesus, but they're also focused on Jesus and the Holy Spirit's role in Jesus' life. More specifically, the Holy Spirit's role in Jesus' conception. The questions focus on Mary's role in Jesus' birth and what it means that she was a virgin. And then finally, question 36 rounds the whole thing out with pressing us to think on and understand what Jesus' unique and miraculous conception and virgin birth really have to do with us, with our faith. How does this benefit us in any way? It's a, it's a strange tale. It's a miraculous tale. And what does it have to do with us and our faith? Well, it turns out it has a lot to do with us and our faith. So let's look at the questions. Question 35. What does it mean that he, Jesus, was conceived by the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary? Remember, this is uh, that section of the Apostles' Creed that we're trying to piece all of this together and understand what each phrase means individually. And this one has to do with what does it mean that he was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary? The answer is this. It means that the eternal Son of God, who is and remains true and eternal God, took to himself, through the working of the Holy Spirit, from the flesh and blood of Virgin Mary, a truly human nature, so that he might become David's true descendant, like his brothers in every way, except for sin." Now, among the miracles uh, that we read about in the Bible, specifically in the life and ministry of Christ, none are more awesome than his incarnation and his resurrection. Yes, I mean, all the things that Jesus did, the healings and the casting out demons and uh, the turning water into wine and the feeding of the 5,000, those are all incredible, but none of them um, really rival these, these two bookends to Jesus' life and ministry, his incarnation and his resurrection. We tend to refer to these as the two grand miracles of the Christian faith. All of them are miraculous, but these two are grand. Easter morning is something that we celebrate every year. Actually, we celebrate it every week when we gather for worship on the Lord's Day. Resurrection refers to Christ being made alive even though he had been dead, right? He was crucified, put into the grave on Friday, and then he rose to new life on Sunday. And this miracle of the resurrection has changed the world forever. But the incarnation is no less awesome. Incarnation refers to the eternal Son of God taking on flesh and being conceived in the womb of a young virgin girl named Mary. Incarnation means that God has become a man, and this truth can be found all over the New Testament. Jesus' identity depends so much on this reality, his incarnation. Here's uh, the Apostle Paul in Philippians chapter 2 writing about Christ. Have this mind among yourselves, he tells us, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant being born in the likeness of men. Now, the, the, the thrust of that passage is the reality that the eternal Son of God, in the form of God, humbled himself, emptied himself, and was born 
just like a man. Now, we also have the accounts, not, not just the, the New Testament epistles of Paul and others. I mean, we've got John's Gospel, John chapter 1, where it talks about the eternal Word became flesh and dwelt among us. Uh, we've got uh, Colossians chapter 1, which talks about Jesus' Christology and, and Hebrews 1. We've talked about these in weeks past. But we also have the birth accounts from the Gospels. Um, Matthew chapter 1, Luke chapters 1 and 2, um, which are narrative accounts of what took place leading up to Jesus' birth. And I won't read through these passages. They're long and there's detail there, but I want to encourage you to do that this week. Uh, You should read through these passages, Matthew chapter 1, Luke chapters 1 and 2, And as you work to understand and memorize the catechism this week, look at these birth narratives to see where these answers come from. These birth narratives are, they're really familiar to most of us, um, not least because we read them nearly every year around Christmas time. Uh, But these these passages are important because they make clear Jesus' conception and birth did not occur in an ordinary, natural way. Both Matthew and Luke tell us the story of how an angel of the Lord came to this young girl. Uh, She was a virgin girl named Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, but before the marriage took place and long before they had a chance to consummate their union with sexual intercourse, an angel brought Mary a message. He told her that she was the favored one of God. He told her that she would bear in her womb a child and that the child would be named Jesus and he would be the son of the Most High. And basically, he's saying there, he's going to be the son of the God of heaven. And she asked, well, how is this going to happen? She actually says, how will this be? Because I have never known a man. I've never uh, been sexually intimate with a man. And the angel told her, that the child that he was coming to tell her about was going to be conceived in her womb by the Spirit of God. Now, this teaching is not just to be found in Scripture, but it has been substantiated and it has been believed as a staple of Christian doctrine for 2,000 years. It is explicit in the Gospel accounts, and while some have tried to dismiss it or argue it away, this miracle of the Incarnation, the, the virgin conception of Jesus, remains a critical part of our faith. Now, we have no idea how it happened but we have countless biblical reasons to believe that it did happen. We even have Old Testament prophetic texts that point forward to the virgin conception of the Messiah. In Isaiah uh, chapter 7, verse 14, we read this, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and you shall call his name Emmanuel. And that word Emmanuel means God with us. Um, we, we see the John is actually referring back to this when he writes in the Gospels, and so is Matthew. Now, some <clears throat> have dismissed the virgin birth as mythological, uh, just a made-up tale. Uh, some have dismissed it as impossible, and we can understand why. There is no uh, natural way that this could happen. And some have dismissed it as unimportant. But none of these are true. It's not mythological, it's not impossible, and it's not unimportant. In fact, all three of these things are interrelated. Now, let me explain. The gospel accounts of Jesus' divine conception read like the rest of the New Testament. They read like historical narrative and nothing like religious mythology. 
Mary's encounter took place, and the account was circulated while she was still alive and could confirm that the story was true, not made up or embellished to start a new religion. The virgin birth is, naturally speaking, impossible. But, but since when has anything been impossible for God? By the way, the word miracle implies naturally impossible. A miracle implies that the supernatural has invaded the natural world. You may not be able to explain it. Science may not be able to test for it or uh, repeat it. But a miracle of God doesn't require either of those. The virgin birth is also one of the most important truths of the Christian faith, such that if you take it away, the whole thing falls apart. Now here, I want to quote from Kevin DeYoung again. Kevin, his book, uh, The Good News We Almost Forgot, where he is just walking through the Heidelberg Catechism much like I am. This book has been really helpful to me. I hope it's been helpful to some of you, and I've quoted from it here and there. I want to give you another quote from it. Kevin DeYoung writes this, The virgin birth demonstrates that Jesus was truly human and truly divine. If Jesus had not been born of a human, we could not believe in his full humanity. But if his birth were like any other human birth, through the union of a human father and mother, then we would question his full divinity. The virgin birth is necessary to secure both real human nature and a completely divine human nature. But why? That's the real question, right? Why? Why is it necessary for both of these things to be true? Wouldn't it be a whole lot easier if we could just dismiss this notion of a virgin conception and a virgin birth? Why is it so important that this doctrine is not only found clearly taught throughout Scripture, but why is it important that we hold on to it? Well, that's where the next question, number 36, comes in. How does the holy conception and birth of Christ benefit you? And here's the answer. He is our mediator, and with his innocence and perfect holiness, he removes from God's sight my sin, mine since I was conceived. You see, Christ took upon himself our flesh so that he might take upon himself our sin. In order for man to have peace with God, a man must pay the price. And so Christ is fully man. Christ maintained his deity because only a perfect son could fulfill the righteous requirements of God. Only one who is fully God and truly man could bring peace between God and man. You see, Jesus alone is qualified to remove our sin and bring us to God clothed in his perfect righteousness. So without question, we can say that the virgin birth is not only important, but it is essential to our salvation and our faith. Thanks for joining me today as I've been discussing with you the Heidelberg Catechism, questions 35 and 36. I hope you will join me again next week as we look at Lord's Day 15 together and discuss questions 37, 38, and 39. Now, if you want to learn more about Cornerstone Baptist Church, you can find us online at cornerstonewiley.org. You can follow us on Twitter or Instagram at cbcwiley. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash cornerstonewiley. And you can also subscribe to this podcast on iTunes or Google Play to stay up to date on all the new content. Thank you for listening.